Chapter 8 of The Negro in Literature and Art in the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Negro in Literature and Art in the United States by Benjamin Griffith Brawley. Orators Douglas and Washington. The Negro is peculiarly gifted as an orator. To magnificent gifts of voice he adds a fervor of sentiment and an appreciation of the possibilities of a great occasion that are indispensable in the work of one who excels in this field. Greater than any of these things, however, is the romantic quality that finds an outlet in vast reaches of imagery and a singularly figurative power of expression. Only this innate gift of rhetorical expression has accounted for the tremendous effect sometimes realized by even untutored members of the race. Its possibilities under the influences of culture and education are illimitable. On one occasion Harriet Tubman, famous for her work in the Underground Railroad, was addressing an audience and describing a great battle in the Civil War. And then, said she, we saw the lightning, and that was the guns. And then we heard the thunder, and that was the big guns. And then we heard the rain falling, and that was drops of blood falling. And when we came to get in the craps, it was dead men that we reaped. All through the familiar melodies one finds the pathos and the poetry of this imagery. Two unusual individuals, untutored but highly gifted in their own spheres, in the course of the last century proved eminently successful by joining this rhetorical faculty to their native earnestness. One of these was the anti-slavery speaker, Sojourner Truth. Tall, majestic, and yet quite uneducated, this interesting woman sometimes dazzled her audience by her sudden turns of expression. Anecdotes of her quick and startling replies are numberless. The other character was John Jasper, of Richmond, Virginia, famous three decades ago for his Sun-Do-Move sermon. Jasper preached not only on this theme, but also on dry bones in the valley, the glories of the New Jerusalem, and many similar subjects that have been used by other preachers, sometimes with hardly less effect throughout the South. When one made all discount for the tinsel and the dialect, he still would have found in the work of John Jasper much of the power of the true orator. Other men have joined to this love for figurative expression the advantages of culture, and a common characteristic, thoroughly typical of the romantic quality constantly present, is a fondness for biblical phrase. As representative might be remarked Robert B. Eliot, famous for his speech in Congress on the constitutionality of the Civil Rights Bill, john mercer langston also distinguished for many political addresses m c b mason for years a prominent representative of the methodist episcopal church and charles t walker still the most popular preacher of the negro baptists a new and telling form of public speaking destined to have more and more importance is that just now best cultivated by dr dubois who with little play of voice or gesture but with the earnestness of conviction, drives home his message with instant effect. In any consideration of oratory one must constantly bear in mind, of course, the importance of the spoken word and the personal equation. 
at the same time it must be remembered that many of the most worthy addresses made by negroes have not been preserved in accessible form again and again in some remote community with true eloquence has an untutored preacher brought comfort and inspiration to a struggling people j c price for years the president of livingstone college in north carolina was one of the truest orators the negro race ever had and many who heard him all insist that he was foremost his name has become in some quarters a synonym for eloquence and he certainly appeared on many noteworthy occasions with marked effect his reputation will finally suffer however for the reason given that his speeches are not now generally accessible not one is in mrs dunbar's masterpieces of negro eloquence one of the most effective occasional speakers within recent years has been rev c ransom of the a m e church in his great moments mr ransom has given the impression of a true orator he has little humor is stately and dignified but bitter in satire and invective there is in fact much in his speaking to remind one of frederick douglass one of his greatest efforts was that on the occasion of the celebration of the one hundredth anniversary of the birth of garrison in faneuil hall boston december eleventh nineteen o five said he in part what kind of negroes do the american people want that they must have the negro in some relation is no longer a question of serious debate what kind of negroes do the american people want do they want a voteless negro in a republic founded upon universal suffrage do they want a negro who shall not be permitted to participate in the government which he must support with his treasure and defend with his blood do they want a negro who shall consent to be set aside as forming a district industrial class permitted to rise no higher than the level of serfs or peasants do they want a negro who shall accept an inferior social position not as a degradation but as the just operation of the laws of caste based on color do they want a negro who will avoid friction between the races by consenting to occupy the place to which white men may choose to assign him what kind of a negro do the american people want taught by the declaration of independence sustained by the constitution of the united states enlightened by the education of our schools this nation can no more resist the advancing tread of the host of the oncoming blacks than it can bind the stars or halt the resistless motion of the tide two men by reason of great natural endowment a fitting appreciation of great occasions and the consistency with which they produce their effects have won an undisputed place in any consideration of american orators these men were frederick douglass and booker t washington frederick douglass was born in eighteen seventeen and lived for ten years as a slave upon a maryland plantation then he was bought by a baltimore shipbuilder he learned to read and being attracted by the lady of the lake when he escaped in eighteen thirty eight and went disguised as a sailor to new bedford massachusetts he adopted the name douglass spelling it with two s's however he lived for several years in new bedford being assisted by garrison in his efforts for an education in eighteen forty one at an anti-slavery convention in nantucket 
he exhibited such intelligence and showed himself the possessor of such a remarkable voice that he was made the agent of the massachusetts anti-slavery society he now lectured extensively in england and the united states and english friends raised one hundred and fifty pounds to enable him regularly to purchase his freedom for some years before the civil war he lived in rochester new york where he published a paper the north star and where there is now a public monument to him later in life he became recorder of deeds in the district of columbia and then minister to haiti at the time of his death in eighteen ninety five douglas had won for himself a place of unique distinction large of heart and of mind he was interested in every forward movement for his people but his charity embraced all men and all races his reputation was international and today many of his speeches are to be found in the standard works on oratory mr chestnut has admirably summed up the personal characteristics of the oratory of douglas he tells us that douglas possessed in large measure the physical equipment most impressive in an orator he was a man of magnificent figure tall strong his head crowned with a mass of hair which made a striking element of his appearance he had deep-set and flashing eyes a firm well-moulded chin a countenance somewhat severe in repose but capable of a wide range of expression his voice was rich and melodious and of carrying power douglas was distinctly dignified eloquent and majestic he could not be funny or witty sorrow for the slave and indignation against the master gave force to his words though in his later years his oratory became less and less heavy and more refined he was not always on the popular side nor was he always exactly logical thus he incurred much censure for his opposition to the exodus of the negro from the south in eighteen seventy nine for half a century however he was the outstanding figure of the race in the united states perhaps the greatest speech of his life was that which douglas made at rochester on the fifth of july eighteen fifty two his subject was american slavery and he spoke with his strongest invective the following paragraphs from the introduction will serve to illustrate his fondness for interrogation and biblical phrase pardon me and allow me to ask why am i called upon to speak here to-day what have i or those i represent to do with your national independence are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that declaration of independence extended to us and am i therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us by the rivers of babylon there we sat down yea we wept when we remembered zion we hanged our harps upon the willow in the midst thereof for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song and they that had wasted us required of us mirth saying sing us one of the songs of zion how shall we sing the lord's song in a strange land if i forget thee o jerusalem let my right hand forget her cunning if i do not remember thee let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth 
the years and emancipation and the progress of his people in the new day gave a more hopeful tone to some of the later speeches of the orator in an address on the seventh of december eighteen ninety he said i have seen dark hours in my life i have seen the darkness gradually disappearing and the light gradually increasing one by one i have seen obstacles removed errors corrected prejudices softened proscriptions relinquished and my people are advancing in all the elements that make up the sum of general welfare i remember that god reigns in eternity and that whatever delays disappointments and discouragements may come truth justice liberty and humanity will prevail booker t washington was born about eighteen fifty eight in franklin county virginia after the civil war his mother and stepfather removed to malden west virginia where when he became large enough he worked in the salt furnaces and coal mines he had always been called booker but it was not until he went to a little school at his home and found that he needed a surname that on the spur of the moment he adopted washington in eighteen seventy two he worked his way to hampton institute where he paid his expenses by assisting as a janitor graduating in eighteen seventy five he returned to malden and taught school for three years he then attended for a year wayland seminary in washington now incorporated in virginia union university in richmond and in eighteen seventy nine he was appointed an instructor at hampton in eighteen eighty one there came to general armstrong principal of hampton institute a call from the little town of tuskegee alabama for someone to organize and become the principal of a normal school which the people wanted to start in that place he recommended mr washington who opened the school on the fourth of july in an old church and a little shanty with an attendance of thirty pupils in eighteen ninety five mr washington came into national prominence by a remarkable speech at the cotton states exposition in atlanta and after that he interested educators and thinking people generally in the working out of his ideas of practical education he was the author of several books along lines of industrial education and character building and in his later years only one or two other men in america could rival his power to attract and hold great audiences harvard university conferred on him the degree of master of arts in eighteen ninety six and dartmouth that of doctor of laws in nineteen o one he died in nineteen fifteen in the course of his career mr washington delivered hundreds of addresses on distinguished occasions he was constantly in demand at colleges and universities great educational meetings and gatherings of a civic or public character his atlanta speech is famous for the so-called compromise with the white south in all things that are purely social we can be as separate as the fingers yet one as the hand in all things essential to mutual progress on receiving his degree at harvard in eighteen ninety six he made a speech in which he emphasized the fact that welfare of the richest and most cultured person in new england was bound up with that of the humblest man in alabama and that each man was his brother's keeper along somewhat the same line he spoke the next year at the unveiling of the robert gould shaw monument in boston 
at the chicago peace jubilee in eighteen ninety eight he reviewed the conduct of the negro in the wars of the united states making a powerful plea for justice to a race that had always chosen the better part in the wars of the country mr washington delivered many addresses but he never really surpassed the feeling and point and oratorical quality of these early speeches the following paragraph from the atlanta speech will illustrate his power of vivid and apt illustration a ship lost at sea for many days suddenly sighted a friendly vessel from the mast of the unfortunate vessel was seen a signal water water we die of thirst the answer from the friendly vessel at once came back cast down your bucket where you are a second time the signal water water send us water ran up from the distressed vessel and was answered cast down your bucket where you are and a third and a fourth signal for water was answered cast down your bucket where you are the captain of the distressed vessel at last heeding the injunction cast down his bucket and it came up full of fresh sparkling water from the mouth of the amazon river to those of my race who depend on bettering their condition in a foreign land or who underestimate the importance of cultivating friendly relations with the southern white man who is their next-door neighbor i would say cast down your bucket where you are cast it down in making friends in every manly way of the people of all races by whom we are surrounded the power to realize with fine feeling the possibilities of an occasion may be illustrated from the speech at harvard if through me a humble representative seven millions of my people in the south might be permitted to send a message to harvard harvard that offered up on death's altar young shaw and russell and lowell and scores of others that we might have a free and united country that message would be tell them that the sacrifice was not in vain tell them that by habits of thrift and economy by way of the industrial school and college we are coming up we are crawling up working up yea busting up often through oppression unjust discrimination and prejudice but through them all we are coming up and with proper habits intelligence and property there is no power on earth that can permanently stay our progress the eloquence of douglas differed from that of washington as does the power of a gifted orator differ from the force of a finished public speaker one was subjective the other was objective douglas swayed his audience and even himself by the sweep of his passion and rhetoric washington studied every detail and weighed every word always keeping in mind the final impression to be made douglas was an idealist impatient for the day of perfect fruition washington was an opportunist making the most of each chance as it came the one voiced the sorrows of the old testament and for the moment produced the more tremendous effect the other longed for the blessing of the new testament and spoke with lasting result both loved their people and each in his own way worked as he could best see the light by his earnestness each in his day gained a hearing by their sincerity both found a place in the oratory not only of the negro but of the world End of chapter eight